You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. I'm Tony Lee. I'm Hulk Logan, and uh, we're we're joined today by by an old buddy and uh, and man, an influence in a lot, lot of ways, and a, uh, uh, a a prominent figure in the Denver music scene. If you've been around any length of time, uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, this is, of course, the official podcast. Of the rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. Uh, yeah. So I mentioned a friend of ours is here. Uh, Josh Lent has uh, been in the Clusterfucks for... How long has the Clusterfucks been a band? 95. 95 is when Clusterfucks started? Yeah. Jesus. So, okay. So in the Clusterfucks... <laughs> the dawn of time. In the Clusterfucks since 95... I don't want to say, like, the first concert we ever went to was in... Like ninety five, yeah. Logan. Yeah, probably something like that. Primus on the Punchbowl tour was probably uh, around Ed that. Rex, yeah, yeah. So uh, we talked about that last time. We're just going to mention that every single yeah, episode. every episode, right? The staple of every. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time we went to Red Rocks saw Primus and Mike Watt? No, it was great. I saw a guy smoke a joint. Changed my life. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, but also, uh, co-founder of. Uh, Chain Reaction Records uh, on West Colfax and um, uh, co-host of uh, Talking Shit, the official yeah. podcast of the shop. Please welcome to the show Josh Lent. How's it going, Josh? Doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. This is pretty cool, man. It's, it's a cool setup you guys have here. It's really, it's really cool to see you, man. I haven't, I haven't seen you a ton um, over the years. Yeah, I. And I wanted to talk to you uh, about a lot of a lot of things, but I'd, I'd say overall, I kind of want to talk about just your experience in you know, kind of your background in the music scene in general on a on a on a broader level, but also here in Denver, what you've seen change, and I, I arguably. Um, generations when it comes to the music scene tend to happen kind of in decades and we're separated by about a decade right. so you kind of uh, you know you took a break to focus on family and, and some of your personal stuff for a while and so we were kind of I mean we really haven't even done a show together yeah. we were saying since even Tony's been in the band right right I can't remember the last one I can't, I, remember, I can't remember the last time we did a show with the Clusterfucks nope. But um, while. so okay, so let's let's give a little bit of background about how we know each other. So fourth year freshman started ninety seven. Played our first show at at uh, Tuesday night at your mom's, the youth group that we used to go to. And by that point, Clusterfucks had been long established. And even beyond that, you were in bands before Clusterfucks. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah, we had uh, Up Yours, which a version of Up Yours ended up moving to to Denver. 
by the time they moved to Denver. So I you were in Up Yours, too? Yeah. That's a great name. With, uh, well, Greg Keg was in that band? Yeah. So when we put it together, it was like Greg and Lynch. Um, I can't remember who was playing the instruments in the, in the... Oh, I was the bass player. That's who was playing instruments. I don't remember who the guitar player was, and there was this heavy metal dude, uh, Corey Shipley, playing drums, and we were based at a Carbondale Glenwood at, at the time. Right, and that's where you're from originally is yeah. the Western Slope, yeah. Carbondale. So, so uh, for for people who who might need a reference of a bigger city, like pretty close to Grand Junction. Yeah, and we were Junction was the closest big town. That was like I don't know, hundred, a little over a hundred miles away. Just just knowing you and your brother Justin, like, tell us a little bit about what the Carbondale scene was like, like growing up. Like, Carbondale I, was a, I just can imagine crazy stories. Carbondale was a, was a trip. Up. Like when we first started getting into into music and stuff, you know, we were little heavy metal kids. In the early eighties, we were listening to Ozzy and Priest and Maiden and stuff, you know. And as as metal started to, to change and the the uh, kind of glam metal thing started to become more and more. Um, we're always just looking for the next thing. What's, what's crazier, you know? And yeah. definitely, uh, I started getting into some punk rock, but uh, I it wasn't quite speaking to me yet. I was more like when crossover happened, that was me. I was DRI, corrosion to conformity, cryptic slaughter. And I was all Cro Mags, that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was yeah. all about that stuff. Yeah, I was listening to a lot of Cro Mags, was into Youth of Today. Um, where my brother was definitely more down the going down the the punk path, and he was into a lot of like weird experimental punk stuff, like Butthole Surfers and Scratch Acid and stuff like that. Uh, then we kind of came back around, and you know, by the late eighties, early nineties, um, a couple of like key things happened. Uh, Sonny K from uh, he was from from Boulder. He hung with uh, with Bob Rob. They used to set up all the basically all the punk shows in, in Denver and Boulder back then. And this is back. And you mentioned this on um, on the episode of, of your podcast, uh, which is a great podcast, by the way. I listened to the show for the first time when you guys were doing the the kind of origin stories yeah. episode. I think it's called like How Did We Get or How We Got Here or yeah. something like that. It's a great episode. But um, you were talking a lot about how Boulder didn't used to be the. I mean, it always was a hippie town, but it was more of like a counter culture type yeah, of town. Yeah, totally. It, it, I mean, there was Ground Zero, there was Club 156, which I think was called Quigley's before that. And then they Which was based in the university, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was a, a, another uh, club that did shows, too. And then there was a Wild Aster warehouse that was just outside of town. And then a little bit further north of town, there was a um, Grange Hall up there where, where there were shows up there, too. It's like, first time Green Day came, they, they played that, that Grange Hall. And we were out of Carbondale still playing in, in FIA. We played at that Grange Hall with uh, the Offspring and uh, the Grups. Back, Play, befo- back before these bands were anybody. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Dang. Played at, uh, that, at that warehouse with uh, Destroy one time, another time with Chaos UK. And then you'd go to uh, freaking Quigley's or Ground Zero and, you know, the local band's Dead Silence, of, of course, but... Uh, Seeing the Libido Boys, uh, McRad, Underdog, just st- verbal uh, assault stuff that was torn around at, at that time. Mm-hmm. And to give a little context, is this like kind of the same era, like 
when you see someone post like a poster, like a back in the day poster, and it's like Nirvana opening for the Dwarves and and Butthole Surfers on the same bill, and like Ween opening when they were still a two piece. Like we're talking yeah, like the same that, era, yeah, of the nineties. Yeah, and, that shit was going on. Like the Mercury Cafe and. Um, Play there, Rancid was doing their like first U.S. tour. They right. toured around the West Coast a little bit. But it was their first tour, and we played that show with them in, in ill repute, you know. And, uh, yeah, you like Green Day with Neurosis, you know, these crazy right, right. lineups of bands that fucking crazy. You know, that you know, <laughs> that's so uh, weird. Ba- this is like back when Green Day was on Lookout, right? And, yeah, like before, but like, yeah, this is definitely it was like the heyday of Lookout Records in the, the early 90s, and we were. All about those bands because there was a couple things that happened. One, I got a copy of a Slug and Lettuce that, that Sonny K gave me, and that was a, a newsprint zine out of New York City that really focused on the ABC No Rio kind of anarcho punk scene. And then there was uh, this Maxim Rock and Roll columnist, Suzanne Barchi. We, we, my dad and I were driving through Glen one day, and there's just these punks sitting in the, in the park. And uh, picked him up, and we're like, yeah, hey, we're we're traveling. Well, you guys can stay with us for a couple of days. And they tripped out on us. We we're all mohawks and leather jackets and exploited UK subs, discharge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the whole. We we were UK eighty two all the way, and we were just kind of, you know, we were into all that shit. But it's because the kids from the next town over were into a lot of like descendants and all, and we were like, ah, oh, that stuff's weak. We're into, <laughs> we're into, into <laughs> right. this and. Uh, so she kind of got where we were coming from, but she's like, you guys realize there's like a whole new world, world of bands still exist. And, and this, me this, this is list. pre-internet, so. Oh, yeah. I mean. She wrote me this list on like a Manila folder, and uh, it was like Filth, Neurosis, blah, 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 Subvert, like all these, uh, all these, Destroy was on that list. Oh, so that like, that kind of like first wave of like. The, the like crusty kind of uh, way underground punk rock yeah, type yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Maxim Rock and Roll ran an interview with Filth, and they were talking about the all punks in the interview. And like, yeah, we have that problem too, you know. And so, <laughs> uh, and they were wearing exploited shirts and that big mohawk. So I, I wrote them, and uh, they sent me the "Stand Back and Feel the Pain" demo and a bunch of stickers and patches, and I was. Writing with uh, the guys in Destroy and uh, with the guys in Final Conflict. I'd been writing um, Big Jeff since I was in, you know, like a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. And so all that started to, to come to come together. And then, like, seeing what was going on kind of in the Bay Area and Minneapolis and in, in New York City, um, that, that Carbondale became like a... Uh, uh, an amalgam of those scenes, and like what right. we picked from each one of those scenes, and that they, that became Carbondale. So, at the time, Carbondale was really small. It was like two thousand people. You know, I think it's probably closer to six now. But tiny little punk ass town in the in the in the middle of nowhere, and you go by the pizza place on a Friday or Saturday night, and there'd be thirty mo- Mohawks, Liberty Spikes, leather jackets, everybody hanging out in the parking lot drinking and stuff. Um, People would would trip. Like, Whoa, where where are we? You know, like that that w- that was a threat to people in in Carbondale oh, at that yeah. time. And people on the Western yeah. slope. Yeah, Cowboys weren't weren't having it. The Cowboys would go out of their way to fight. You know, they they yeah. drive. So the Cowboys fought each other, but then they definitely went to fight the skaters and headbangers and punks. You know, they they'd come from miles away, the other side of the pass to 
fight other cowboy gangs because they couldn't find them. <laughs> cowboy gangs? Oh, yeah. Then we'd all just meet up at 7-Eleven beat on each other yeah. for a while. So, Heard so about all the spiky-haired queers. <laughs> yeah. Out of oh, yeah. Let's go get them. Yeah. Uh, so, so, if I'm understanding correctly, at, at this point, a lot of what you guys were accessing was mail order, if a band happened to come through town, uh, correspondence that you might have had with like like zines were a big yeah zines were, were a big thing um, yeah you'd, you'd write away you'd get a Max and Rock and Roll or Slug and Lettuce and you'd write to all those zines and you'd look at all the pictures and make lists of the bands and then you'd get a record and who do they thank write all those bands down and start you had your list that you're always working on I, I feel like pre-internet there was like a tighter knit of like a web around the country of like you could write this hey I know this guy in Phoenix or I know this guy in you know San Diego and just from knowing him just like dropping his name you'd be able to get a show there. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how it works. But right. now it's all, you know, Facebook bullshit. Well, and it's... And, I, I feel like it's not as tight as it used to be. Right, and that's, and that's something I definitely want to get into with Josh. Um, let's, let's, let's keep going with some of this, this background stuff because I really want to give... I really want to kind of paint a picture of, of what it was like when you were the age we were when we met you. You know what I mean? Yeah, how old were you then? Oh, dude, we were, we were uh, teenagers. You know, yeah, yeah. like when we met. So, so to jump ahead a little bit. When we met you, we were probably sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years yeah, old. Yeah. Probably just out of high school or on the edge of being out of high school. And this is when we were starting to, like, you know, our, our parents couldn't tell us not to go to punk shows right, anymore. Right. So we were we were starting to take more of an interest in like. In more underground stuff and more of the the like local the Capitol Hill scene, yeah. like you guys, you know, had a few different places up on Capitol Hill where a lot of the guys lived, and and you know when we started coming around, it was warehouse shows at Monkey Mania and uh, the Raven yeah. and matinees at the Bluebird, uh, Garage Land, gar- gar- Garage even, Land, yeah, yeah. Garage Land stuff like that, and um, so. Bands like the Clusterfucks and Up Yours and yeah, how many kids remember those so shows at the Bluebird? I was thinking about that a while back. It'd be a, a Sunday matinee. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and they'd sell it out. That was like five hundred people would show up to oh, yeah. local bands on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, oh, shit, fucking nuts. Dude, man. I, I remember fucking going today. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! I remember going to see like Blacklist play. And, you know, you go see Blacklist play at the Bluebird, and it's, like, a hundred skinheads and a bunch of punk rockers and a bunch of metalheads just beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. You know, just, hi, Michael, how are you? It's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, we'd go, when we still lived in Carbondale, you know, there would be, there was a lot of shows at the Ozlon back then. Ozlon was it? Yeah, and that was a huge oh, thing. Yeah. You know, metalheads, punk rockers, skinheads, everybody would be there. And same thing, we'd go see these... Uh, these lineups of all these local bands like uh, Animosity, The Violent Degenerates, Blistering Body Pus. Um, <laughs> I love that band sad- name. Sadistic Intent. And same thing, the Oslon would sell out. <laughs> There'd be 600 people there for just a stack of local bands. Right. It was insane, man. First, first punk show I ever went to. And it's interesting because these guys are touring again. I saw Down by Law, 
uh, Good Riddance, The Bull Weevils, and I think they were a local band. They might have been on the tour, but it was a band called The Four Squares. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all did a show at the Ozlon. And it was the first time I'd seen a circle pit. It was the first time, it, like, it was, I remember that feeling of, like, it's like the same feeling I get when I smoke like really, really good pot and start to have a panic attack. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, Just you like, get that, that, like that buzz going kind of. Like, oh, yeah. Like when you eat mushrooms and like the electric buzz oh. or whatever. Oh, yeah. Getting over like, the hump. And your, your heart just starts like beating. I remember walking into that show and just being terrified by the people that were there, terrified by, uh, by the vibe and the aggression, but simultaneously like felt like I had stumbled upon something that... Secret. Yeah, like, yeah, like a secret. Be, like something that should have been illegal. You know sure. what I mean? Like some, shows. some people would look down upon this. Like, this is yeah. not okay. In some right, 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 right. We were going to the shows back then at the Oslon. It was just, it was scary. You know, you'd be outside waiting to get in line with butterflies. Mm-hmm. Right, like, yeah. you knew there were going to be fights. You just hoped you weren't on the losing end of any. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and not just fight. fights, but fights with weapons. Oh, yeah. like, like spikes and. Yeah, yeah. We saw, I can't imagine the Oslon security team was very oh, no. efficient. <laughs> no, no. There was a. It was a social distortion on, on Prison Bound Tour, played at the Oslon. And I've heard different stories that uh, Sham 69 was supposed to play, but, like, any of the flyers I ever saw for the show was only social distortion. And, you know, and they even said, hey, you know, we're this social distortion show. We're the only band. So they played, you know, really long set. The self-titled album wasn't out yet, but they played almost all of it. And that show was scarier than shit, man. Like, there were so many fucking fights. And it ended up Mike Nass hitting some guy with his guitar, skinheads trying to get up on the stage, bouncers punching guys off the or off the stage. Roadie. Remember the roadie guy had D.I., you know, and the band tattooed on his neck in big block letters, standing there just boom, boom, punching guys down the stairs. And, uh, <laughs> just any face that came up. Cops were coming in, the, uh, coming in the front doors of Ozlon, shields and bats and helmets and fucking people up. And they opened the back doors to let kids out the back. Skinheads were just fucking everybody up. It was, it was nuts. I remember I was fucking scared to death. We took the bus over for that show. Now, is this... Is this you took, like, Greyhound yeah, over? Yeah, we took no, the Greyhound nice. in Glenwood for that show, yeah. Now, is this, like... Is this b- before, like, kind of that that wave of trad skins that were going on, and this was, like, more of, like, the, the white nationalist This skins? was the white nationalists, yeah. yeah. This was when... The, basically, at the, the high point or low point, depending on how you want to look at it, of that stuff in, in Denver... Which is something that Denver kind of became known for in a lot of ways. Yeah, it made, made national news several times. Yeah, yeah, and that, and, and this is this is like when when white nationalist skinheads were going on, you know. And I, I hate to even call them skinheads, honestly, because right. you know they just co opted the thing, but um, uh, or appropriated the thing rather. And and you hear, uh, you know, this is like when white nationalists. Uh, groups were going on like Geraldo and and hitting him with a chair and, oh, and yeah, all yeah. that all that kind of shit and a lot of that was going on you know the stuff that you saw on TV that was going on in full force here in Denver oh yeah um, right on the side of the Ozlon it said U S skins kill G- kill Jews punks and hippies 
No fucking way. Center on the side of the building. Where was this place? I don't don't think I've ever heard of it. The Oslo, it's still there. They just don't do shows there anymore. It's like Santa Fe and... Ninth, or yeah, and yeah. The, the like building that. is still there. They had the sign up forever that was place. like Al Franken has resigned. Now it's Trump's turn or something oh, like really? that. Did yeah, yeah. Jesus. That, like Mosh Pit Records that was based out of Colorado Springs. They kind of had the, the run of that joint for a while, and uh, King Diamond was there. Sepultura, uh, you know, everybody fucking played. We saw Laz Rocket there, and then. Uh, I don't even say the dude's name. Fucking uh, bonehead guy from Denver. Oh, I know who you're talking. Booked about, all the yeah. the punk shows there, and like so here he is. He's this fucking self proclaimed Nazi skinhead dude, but he's booking all the punk shows and he's right. and uh, it was just really fucking weird scene there. I I think I think a lot of that, and this is going to this is going to come into play. I think with what we're gonna we're gonna talk about going forward in the episode, but. I feel like because there was such a there there wasn't that hyper awareness of the greater world that there like the only access you had to greater culture as far as the world is concerned was television news which in the 90s the 24 hour news cycle had first started going but the it, like AOL wouldn't come around until kind of the end of the 90s, right? 90, right? 97, 98, 99 was really when like AOL yeah. w- was was really prominently yeah. used by people in Yahoo and things like that. So I feel like if you were a, a white nationalist skinhead, if you were a Nazi skinhead or you were in a white nationalist gang or something like that, especially in a secondary market like Denver, it was a lot easier not to be called out for it. Because there wasn't the tremendous uh, uh, social mass, like there wasn't the awareness of the tremendous social right, masses right. that we, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So, so if somebody came out like that, there wasn't a giant wave of people shaming them out of oh, existence. Yeah, yeah, not not at all. You know, it was basically like whoever had the numbers, whoever had the strength, whoever was able to, like, cause the most violence was the one who who controlled things. And, oh, yeah. And yep. made their, like, established their, their dominance, you know. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, so we started, we probably met you, I would say, end of the 90s, um, probably around the time that we graduated high school. And uh, I remember seeing, I, I can't remember the first time I saw the Clusterfucks play. It was one of those things, like, I lived with Melissa Thompson yep. for a bit when I was when I was 19, and she knew, she knew every band in town. And in a lot of ways, she introduced me and kind of plugged me into a lot of the, like, what I would consider Denver bands, Denver hardcore and punk rock and, and metal bands. And Clusterfucks were were definitely one of the flagship bands, I would say, of that era. And uh, uh, I want to say we did a couple shows with you guys probably at the Bug Theater, back when the Bug, Bug Theater used right. to do yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You guys and Homesick Abortions. It's still and there, isn't it? The, the Bug's Bug? still there. They just yeah. do, like, theater stuff, you know. The, I mean, the Ozzatlon still does some stuff, I think. I think they do, I think they do rentals and, and things like that. Um, oh, uh, did you guys do that Subhumans show at the Ozzatlon? Did you guys play that one? Yeah, I think we did. 
I seem to remember. Yeah, re- yeah, yeah. I think I, I think we did. I can't remember something about that. Because that, w- that was a big one, was going yeah. to the Ozalon to see the subhumans come to the U.S. for the first time since. In, in forever. I mean, there forever. were people that drove up from New Mexico for that show, that drove from Kansas and stuff. Yeah, because that was the first time subhumans had, had been to Denver in, what, 15 years or something? Ten, at least 10 years. I just remember seeing a girl squat, this, like, train hopper girl squat down and take a piss right in the middle of the line while we were waiting to get in to <laughs> see this. I remember that, too. Right? <laughs> and I remember being blown away by it. I remember, I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode at um, the Social Chaos tour at oh, yeah. the, the Ozalon. Um, I met D.H. Pelegro and was so new that I, like, listened to the Dead Kennedys. I knew the Dead Kennedys. Like, I had listened to several albums. I knew who Jello Biafra was. Like, I was, you know, Logan's brother Marshall had introduced us to a lot of the Dead Kennedy stuff and Jello Biafra's spoken word, so I was aware. But I'm outside of the 7-Eleven begging change, and uh, this tall black dude with dreadlocks comes up. I try and bum change off of him and I asked if he was uh, going over to the show, if he was hanging out. He's like, yeah, I'm playing. I go, what do you play? He says, I play drums. I said, for who? He said, Pelegro. I said, what's your name? He said, DH. And I was like, all right on. Didn't even know. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I remember that subhuman show and I I had been to some punk rock shows like like gutter mouth and some other shit before, and it was right. they were they were silly and it was funny and all that shit. But the Subhumans was the first punk rock show I think I went to where I was like, these guys are pissed, and they have they're they're yelling about something, you right? Know? Like they are angry about something, and I want to know what it is. So well, that was like that was after because I would say our introduction to punk rock because the era you're talking about of you know when Green Day was doing their first tours. Dookie came out when I was in the seventh grade. Oh, no shit. Huh? Yeah. So, you know, Offspring Smash came yeah, out while I was in the seventh yeah, grade. Old. So, like, Logan and I, during that time, you know, Logan and I pretty much all the came into all the same bands at the yeah. same time. Because, you know, Logan and I have been friends since before we have memories. We, we can't, like... And Logan's brother is just basically handing down everything. You know, Weezer to Led Zeppelin to the Buzzcocks to to fucking, you know, Megadeth just and Slayer. and his records when he'd leave the house. Yeah, yeah just, yeah. you know, huge collection of CDs and just, you know, ska and pop punk and metal and, and just, just tossing it all down to us. And so when we first started getting into punk rock culture, it was Offspring, Green Day, no effects, you know, like at that point, punk rock was starting to break through a little bit into mainstream radio. Right. So, um, so punk rock was still kind of overlapping with alternative at that time was considered alternative by a lot of, you know, a lot of perspectives by mainstream perspective, especially. And so Logan and I are more going to like, new school punk rock shows and pop punk shows and then made this transition into the world of I, what I would call like just like dark 
punk rock, like gritty punk rock, the subhumans, crass, um, you know, exploited, it was just, it was just DI. The, the real shit, you know, people like singing about actual stuff instead of, you know, just farts. Well, and I mean, it, and it's and it's not like... Oh, like girlfriends. Yeah, it's, it, well, it's not like uh, pop punk isn't real punk rock, you know. I mean, Four was a was a pop punk band. And oh, they for were, sure, and that was an interesting, you know, like Four and Clusterfox, we played shows together all the time. And, right. You know, uh, the other day we were talking, we are playing a show together th- this summer, and people were like, Four and Clusterfox, like... Wait, this summer? Fours? Yeah. Getting back oh, together? Yeah. No like, way. We always got along with those dudes. We were just like we were really, you know, mentally in the same place, just played different styles of the of the same thing, you know, like so it wasn't they yeah, they were poppier and but they still had uh they still had stuff to say and, and they were pissed about it. Well right, and, and pop punk, you know, and, and emo, the roots of that, the descendants. Yeah. You know, early Blink one eighty two, like think, the, you know, there's there's a difference there, like Bands that like prefer melodic hardcore and the and the popular side of it, but still came up knowing you know kind of grew up in punk and heard Black Flag and TSOL and you know who the Crass Crass Dead Kennys whatever and evolved and kind of went that path versus you know by the later to by the late nineties pop punk you had kids that just started there mm-hmm. like they started with Green Day like, alright right, right. you gotta go learn your history first ah fuck that we'll just start here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which is even worse now cause now you have instead of kind of evolving and getting in dif- into different bands because this band's cool and they kind of sound like this band kids just go I want to be D-beat I'm gonna go and order my DB costume and download all my DB yeah. downloads. So you think? So and that was one thing I wanted to ask you about. Do you think that that level of um, tribalism exists more today, or existed more back then? Because today, today it seems man. more like a uniform. Like if you yeah. get into punk, there's these bands that you're allowed to be into. Yeah, but it I, seems that still goes with a lot of genres. Yeah. What were you gonna I'm say, th- Tony? I'm, th- I'm thinking thrash metal in particular. All those guys look alike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you you do you find your tribe, and yeah. especially when you're younger, that that the look is important to you, and is you really you're trying to find your your yeah. people. You're waving your flag, like, hey, who salutes my flag? Let's let's rally. And there's here. more bands that you might be quiet about liking. Right, right. You know, it, like you might keep it to your like you have. I feel like when you're young and you're first like at least when I was younger and getting into it, there was more of those bands. And I mentioned this before. There was more of those bands that were like guilty pleasures. Like I have a lot fewer guilty pleasures now because I. And th- yeah. I just don't somebody feel asked me that. Yeah. What are your guilty pleasures? Like I don't have any. Not, right. I don't, I don't feel guilty. About <laughs> I don't. I listen to just about anything. Yeah. You know, so do you, I, I do you think that that happened stuff. less when you were coming up? Of like, especially because where we came up, we didn't really. There was the music box in Columbus, but there weren't record stores, and you couldn't go. There was no uh, across the tracks. You couldn't go buy stuff to be this version of whatever you wanted to yeah, be. So. You know, in our crew, there was Death Metal Dave. He listened to a lot of death metal. There was uh, Joe. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not just a clever name. (laughs) Joe was more into melodic hardcore stuff. He was a big Descendants fan. Uh, Bands like, uh, you know, later on he was getting into like 10 Foot Pole and the Cruise Records bands. And then a couple dudes like really into Exploited and Filth and have their hair charged up all the time. And. We still all listen to the Scorpions and Motley Crue and Judas Priest and Ozzy, but then, hey, Rancid's kind of cool. And, like, we just all hung out t- together, and, like, all that kind of got added into the—everybody mm. put a little bit into the into the pot. That's what makes a good band. 
Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, it, I feel like we um, we crippled ourselves a little bit early on because maybe we weren't allowing ourselves to to let all of our influences come forth. It was more about like, oh, we're a punk band, so we've got to just make sure that we're playing really fast right, and loud right. and we're, we're adopting this identity of being these drunken degenerates. Like a lot of what I was doing back probably from uh, the, the end of the 90s until... God, until... 2009. Yeah, probably until 2009. A lot of what I was doing from then to then was, like, trying to uh, maintain this identity of kind of just being, like, the crazy rock and roll drunk fucking party animal. Ah, You know, that... that, Oh, in that case, it's 2013. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like... uh, I feel like we... um, Especially in the early days of of our band, we might have limited ourselves in a lot of ways by like, like saying there was many times when we would be like, that idea doesn't work for this band. Do you know what I mean? Like saying that's not us. That so many times, yeah. Yeah, and and I feel like it's been a long time since we've said that. Was that something that you guys had going on in the clusterfucks? Really? Yeah, for sure. Especially earlier on, like like Joel would would bring in some some different stuff, and like again, like I was really when I was younger, I was crossover thrash metal. You were more of a purist when you were younger. Yeah, and I was like, I needed like we need double kick. We need metal riffs and Hell make yeah. it punk and he's like oh I like this band and the, this song like no we can't play songs you can bop your head to right <laughs> it, this is mean like, right we're, right like we, yeah so there was definitely stuff like no that that doesn't fit into what we're what we're trying to do right so okay so from really the last time so we so we met we would kind of play shows here and there. there. It seemed like there was a lot more. It just seems like there was a lot more places to play back then. Am I crazy? Does, does, like does, you're crazy. <laughs> Does that timeline fit in with the, uh, the the warehouse, the skate warehouse? So skate uh, seems like a little bit right before that. Yeah, Fallen okay. skate warehouse, like I, I'd say, clusterfucks, kind of. Uh, uh, you guys kind of paused. At around the time of like the Fallen Skate Warehouse and stuff like that, right? Like when was when was the last? Uh, we were we were still going pretty strong then. Maybe we did pause for a little bit because I got I got really sick one time. We were supposed to play at Fallen with uh, with Fang and uh, I remember I, that I, I we was, played that show. I was just gonna guess Fang the the Fang yeah, yeah. The Fang and verbal <laughs> abuse, was, yeah, right? Yeah, it was really and it was us and Reno Divorce right? played that because you guys had to drop out. I yeah, remember that. I, yeah, I was sick. I was in the hospital for a week, and it took me a, a couple months to kind of recuperate. And then, so what was that like two thousand six? Probably something maybe like that. Somewhere in there, yeah. yeah. Those were blurry days. Yeah, blurry, very yeah. blurry days. Blurry days. So but, when when would you? Okay, so. Let's jump ahead for a second. So I've just probably started seeing you around again since the record store opened up and since Clusterfucks have been playing the shows again. I won't even say seeing around because we really we haven't yeah. really run into each other. But become aware of your reemerging presence, we'll say. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And, and it's been quite a number of years. But what I've gathered from the times that we have talked is, is you've changed a lot. Like, a lot has changed in your life, like maybe some kind of mellowing, maybe some sort of uh, 
personality expansion outside of you know where you were back when you're talking about being this this thrash purist and whatnot. So so what has happened since Cluster Fucks paused and then started up again? You know, it is happening. I mean, I in there I got divorced. My kids are older now, um, but it's just even before I got divorced. It was, you know, when I had kids, you know, I really chilled out on on drinking. And I got there was just a point where like these bands are listening to in the, in the lyrics and stuff. I'm like, am I am I living it or am I just repeating these these words? Right. And um, I've always lo- liked a, a lot of the the anarcho bands and, and political bands and and uh, just tried to like embody more of that and you know made some lifestyle changes and and uh, it just a lot going on. You, you know, getting older. You, you know, I, you know. Let's say this was. You know, in my mid thirties at that point, like it's so many friends had had died, and and there was still shit going on, and and just and and, and then having kids, and you're like, it doesn't need to be like this. You know, right. like it, you don't need to. You can still be punk rock and still be metal, and and, and but you can also be a good person and live on a right. You know, a, a better be on a better path. You know, and um, yeah, I think when. Uh, yeah, like just putting down the the beer can was it was a huge thing, but uh, yeah, that, I, I'm really glad uh, that that's kind of becoming a popular thing. It is, yeah, and it's probably my favorite trend in music right now, and especially <laughs> yeah. because uh, seeing that younger people, I'm like, I'm gonna be 50 in a couple of years, and I, I I think about you know people say, oh, I remember the good old days, I remember back in the day, and I'm like. Yeah, I kind of remember. Vaguely. Was it really that good? Yeah, was it really that great? People were planting the seeds of their lifelong addictions and alcoholism, and, well, these guys are dead, 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 doing life in prison. Right. I'm like... It was dramatic. Yeah. It was dramatic, but I wouldn't say it was good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if if I picked myself up... And dropped my adult consciousness, my my thirty seven year old consciousness, into my eighteen nineteen year old body. It would be a fucking nightmare, you know. Just oh, yeah. all the drama and all the chaos and the fights and the alcoholism and the drugs and the like, you know, people just like house parties where we're trashing people's yeah. houses and and people are going to jail and like blowing themselves up and we look back on this and we have like a certain level of nostalgia and like we've talked about before like when you're younger and it's like collect as many friends as you possibly can you know it's like fucking playing pokemon man yeah. you're just trying to get like like make sure that you know and you are more importantly known by you know as many as many people who might be I don't know, social fulcrums. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? The, the, like these these people who are these connectors in the social scene, and it's important to become connected to them. And we've talked on the show, and this, I wonder if, uh, we t- we've talked on the show before about how we were more popular when we were less good. <laughs> like like we were we were kind of at our peak when we were awful. And we couldn't play, and we would fill Cafe Euphrates with a bunch of our friends. And the older we get and the better we get, the less, 
like we have we have a pretty solid following of people that we can count on. We have what I would consider a, a decent <laughs> fan base. I think for the the type of band we are and the level that we're at, we're relatively successful we're doing all right considering you know we're but name my next album uh, (laughs) it is but um that's gonna be our next t-shirt man like picture in the middle we're doing all right considering that's the name of the next blind staggers album is it yeah Yeah. we're doing all right dot 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 considering (laughs) but (laughs) that's great but like we were talking about we were talking about how bluebird matinee shows would just would be packed full of people or you'd you'd see a show like the subhumans at the ozalon was fucking packed right and is it because uh there was less saturation because there was not social media or was it because we were in high school and that's the high school and end of high school almost all of the above because like it was what you said a minute ago too were there more venues no there were there were far fewer venues Right, if you now there, there's venues everywhere. Where do you want to play? You can play the Bluebird, you can play the Ogden. If you're really good, you can play the Fillmore. You can go to the High Dive. You can go to Three Kings. You could go. AEG alone did 850 shows last year. Yes, I was talking to a crew fucking guy. Fucking nuts. There's the Marquee. There's you know there's uh, Seven Circle. There's a lot of them are streets. owned by, by, co- by yeah, there's, two big companies out there. Right, there's right. There's and Tap. There are shows everywhere. Multiple bands playing every night. Now back then. There weren't uh, bars that would do punk shows. Fifteenth Street Tavern, Lions Lair. That was Sports it. Sportsfield Rocks. You remember Sportsfield oh, yeah, Rocks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. There were a lot of bars that would do one punk show, and then and then that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, no, the, no, the Raven. The yeah. Raven. Um, oh, yeah. You know how many bars was Three Kings before it became Three yeah. Kings? You know, uh, it was, and that was, was even a little confused. On. Which one used to be Seven South? High Dive used to be Seven that, South. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but okay, so. So then there that were, makes there were sense. Fewer, fewer shows. So when something did happen, like that was the thing to do up. in town, yeah. right? That was the thing to do in town. Or yeah. like uh, Punk Mondays at Streets of London. They yeah. tried to bring that back because you. Isn't it crazy that you work at Streets of London now? Yeah, because like the like, only place I hadn't been in that venue or in that bar was behind the bar, and now that's the majority of the time <laughs> I spend there. And they didn't do they didn't do shows when we were going there, but, you know, they they had the dollar PBRs, and Jim from, you know, Homesick Jim would yep. spin records, and we'd go and get into all kinds of drama, and... and I remember that. that was, I was, Reed was DJing when... Oh, dude, dude this is even... Day. This yeah. is so like... Ten years apart. This is right? like when we're... Ten years? <laughs> Holy shit. Well, yeah, this is when we're say. 21. This is... You know, so, you got that time, like... There aren't as many venues, and there are, so there aren't as many shows. So the kids, all the kids turn out, and you're all younger. Like nobody's got kids, and oh, I've got a job, right. but I don't give a shit if I show up to work hungover tomorrow. Like, right? Yeah. It was just on, right? Even the older guys, me, I didn't have kids yet, you know. So let's rage, you know. And then yeah. that stuff starts happening. And do you think that was going on with the older guys when we were younger? Oh, Definitely. for sure. There, there are folks that guys that I knew, like, oh, whatever happened to so and so? Oh, he had a kid and yeah. move to, to wherever, you know? And I'd say I, I, if anything, one of the major differences between now and then and this is something I want to get your comment on for sure one of the, the major differences between now and then is now I think it's more socially acceptable to keep your band thing going on <laughs> well into the, the later years of your life. Oh, for sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like before... 
before YouTube and Facebook and, and the internet where basically anyone could create content and anyone could put it out, there was kind of that meme of, you know, uh, if you don't make it by age X, yeah. you should quit and raise a family and get a real job. And I'd, I'd say that seems to happen a lot less now. It seems like you can keep you can keep doing uh, into your 50s, 60s, I think, 70s. I think technology plays a, a role in that because even with Costrovox right now, with, with our, our drummer lives on the other side of the state. Right. So, you know, we can email him a song. Here's the new song. That's what yeah. we're working on. Yeah. Because Tony's moving back to Chicago. So yeah. we, we have to... miles away. Yeah, so and if, you we know, can run a band from a thousand miles yeah, away. exactly. Do you find it works out pretty well? Like you guys send him a song and he's just like, oh, just picks it up or... Yeah, it, yeah, it works. it's worked out incredibly well and we're not even that good with the technology. You guys you know? use GarageBand or what? I don't know. It's something I, I don't know. It's something my brother does. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's something my brother does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious because we're about to be in the same boat so what we're doing is we're doing it across the country yeah, yeah. you know and yeah, what we're doing we're doing mostly right now is just uh you can share uh projects over garage man with your fucking phone yeah with the with the computer See, we should, in we your should probably get a little bit smarter about it i was pretty impressed with ourselves that were like hey yeah we're old guys that figured this shit out <laughs> and i'm in, we're, we're emailing songs to each other learn this well mean, meanwhile there's kids there's kids that are that are a third yeah. of our age, right? You know, there are or, or have our, and they are they've mastered it. Yeah, you it's know, you I'm just now starting to like figure out how that shit works. I'm like, I wasted so much fucking time. We're yeah. also living yeah. in the era of minor pop stars. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where a YouTube star can he may not have millions of streaming fans. But he will have, he or she will have hundreds of screaming fans pounding on their bus outside of like the Larimer Lounge or something like yeah, that. Have you ever sure. seen any of these shows? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, it's like, well, you see it before practice. Who's playing tonight? And they'll be like, oh, Sherpy Gurk, Sherpy Gurk. Yeah. And it's like, who is that? I don't know, some some YouTube, yeah. some 16 year old YouTube we, we, star. Yeah, we saw that at, uh, I saw that at the Oriental, they did a show in the morning, like at 10 a.m. for like some teeny bopper thing. Line down the block. Yeah, down yeah. The, completely sold out show. And, uh, I was there for like the beginning of it, like for for them to come on, and it's just like you hear them chanting their names, oh, yeah. the places rumbling, and they were singing. They're like kind of singing to a tape, was, right? Like, there was no band, yeah, and yeah. It was just the light show it was like it's the cheapest production show, and there's these kids just going crazy for it. I'll never understand it. Man. Like I, I, I'm far I, too out of touch with that. I like, <laughs> I like, and we've had experiences in the last ten years since we started. I'd say in the last 10 years is when we really started getting serious and getting our shit together and really, like, treating the band like like a long game, you yeah. know, instead of, like, we've got to make it, we've got to meet the right people, we've got to do this. It's like, let's think of this as a long game, let's focus on what we got and build that. Let's, you know, this is, over the last 10 years is when we've been really... Again, something we should have started a long time ago. Well, should <laughs> yeah. have started a long time ago, but... Immediately. But, but who's to say we wouldn't have blown it back then? Like, we've been to Europe now, we but who's to say if we had gone over to Europe 10 years ago, if we wouldn't have totally fucking destroyed our opportunity? You know what I mean? By being wasteoid fuck-ups. See, we, did, yeah. we did the same thing at Clutch Fox. You know, we didn't tour till the band had been together like seven years or something. We'd gone to New Mexico a couple times, maybe played different shows out of town in the, in the state, but... 
I was into my 30s before we packed up the van and hit the road. Right. It's just because we were just wasted all the time and, like, <laughs> yeah, right. nobody can couldn't drive. get our shit together. Yeah. <laughs> well, nobody... I also feel like... Should I save it for a van or buy a 12-pack? There, there, there was a lot more gatekeepers, <laughs> yeah. I think, too. Because it, it always was like... I would ask people, how do you tour Europe? And I'd always get these really cryptic responses like, <laughs> oh, were you hooked up with this label? And they kind of trail off and it's like, no, just tell me. Tell me what to do. How do I go about it? How do I make it happen? You know, I would be like, hey, put put my band on your label. Put, you know, yeah. what gatekeeper am I missing? And I feel like over the last 10 to 15 years, the playing field is gradually leveled. And it's kind of a double-edged sword because everybody has this equality of opportunity. <laughs> sure. You know, anybody can get into it. But the outcome slope is so steep because it's, it's such a saturated market. You, you're seeing... Bands that we would have seen at the Ozatlon play a sold-out show are now doing quarter-cap shows at Streets of London. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Conflict plays Streets of London yeah. for fucking nobody. Nashville Pussy plays Streets of London, and by the time we got on stage, we probably had the maximum crowd. Well, we, and played, then, we played second to last. That's, that's well, we did yeah, second to last anyway. is the best yeah, spot. The best yeah, but then Nashville sure. Pussy goes so on. Go, we want a headline. Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> it, it, goes back, it goes back into everybody's, you know, 45 years old, at least, you know. And so everybody's like, oh, I got two beers on my tab. I'm yeah. Did, did you, did yeah. you see the new uh, Hard Times article that came out? It was like aging couples really fucking pissed that you played an encore or something. Yeah. Or, like or they're, hoping, yeah. they're hoping the show's over or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Really regretting the encore. I yeah. I commented also bartenders. <laughs> we're just like we're done, bro. Well, there's the whole thing with a was it was it a a g yeah. They were you know Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night shows stacking these, these bands. And I remember the, the show I wanted to go see was was Overkill, and Overkill was torn with, with somebody, and then they put three locals on it. It was like a Wednesday night, and like so, Overkill's not even going to go on till eleven thirty on a Wednesday night. Why? Right. Yeah. And pointless. So contact over there. I just sent him an email. Like, dude, that's why do you have three local openers on a Wednesday night show? Like, you're gonna you're only gonna hurt your own show. You think the locals are gonna bring in all this crowd? They're not. And people are gonna be waiting yeah. around drinking and shit. But it's good for locals. People are like, gonna leave. And like you're losing happen. me. I'm not going because. You know, they're That's not a good point. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, then actually, then it became this Facebook group, and a bunch of people started piling on, and then they sort of fix that a little bit. <laughs> I, like, they told I, somebody I'd, they couldn't come. <laughs> I'd, I'd say one of the one of the greatest changes that that bands have now, and that we kind of take for granted, is access to data analytics. Like you can just on an app on your phone look at who your prime demographics are like I know for the first time in my career that we perform best now I don't know if it's because our our best platform is Facebook and people under 30 are kind of flocking away from Facebook but our top demographic is like 25 to 44 
Like, I know that. And so I can go, all right. Mostly if mo- dudes. Mostly dudes. Yeah, 25 yeah. to 44-year-old dudes. Now, if most of the people coming to our shows are 25 to 44-year-old dudes, what time do I want that fucking show to be over with? Right. You Absolutely. know? And you've got to think about that. Is 11 o'clock. I'm ready for bed at 11 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. True. You know, it, when we do a show, like, I think about it like... At the end of the show, when Ty's got to get home because he's got to go work at room and board in the morning, or Jesse's at home with the kids and they're sick, or I got Sarah at home pregnant and I got to get back, you know what I mean? It's like, I want to be out the fucking door by midnight. Right. And it takes so long to break down merch, break down equipment, settle up. Like, after you walk off stage, you're not leaving that (laughs) building for at least two hours. Right, right. And if you're in the audience... You know, you've got to close your tab. You've got to get to your car. You've got to drive home. It's going to take you time to wind down and go to sleep. Like, 11 o'clock at the latest. The latest. So that's, that's so like... It's at 10 p.m. So yeah. that's at 7 yeah. sharp. And, and like <laughs> when... In the old days, in the good old days, you know, you've got six bands for five bucks and it's going all night or until the cops break it up. It's like, well, yeah, you're fucking 15 years old. What the (laughs) fuck do you have to do in the morning? Yeah, you jack shit to do, man. You know, so I I think that that's a cool thing is now people are becoming a little more, uh, they're kind of uh, abandoning old models because they have access to new information and people can exchange ideas right. uh, on the internet. You can watch videos where people talk about it. You can hear interviews on podcasts and ideas are transmitting so quickly that are like this, the scene quote unquote, you know, air quotes evolves at an imperceptibly fast rate. Like you can't even, you can't even grasp how much, like things will change from week to week. You know, as far as the way things are done in the business or what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. And I I wanted to get your uh, perspective on what do you think has changed the most since you first started playing, playing gigs and to now? Because you've been playing, you've been playing actively since ninety. Something like that. Because you said Clusterfucks have been at it since 95, Yeah, and FIA before that. And before that, I was in, like, like some thrash metal bands, like Death From Above, and this really goofy one when we were younger, Metal Warfare. And just played, played, like, parties and and, and stuff. But FIA was the one that really started getting out of town and playing bigger shows. But, yeah, what what has changed? I I think that the biggest, one of the biggest things that, that I notice is, Again, uh, being able to buy the package versus kind of finding your your way and, and evolving and changing with the with the music, mm-hmm. right? I I want to be this, so I want to be a I want to be a crust lord, so <laughs> I can go order the fucking costume, the and, filth butt flap, yeah, and the and ass suit patch. As soon as, pa- as, soon as the get, package gets r- here, you got to roll your character. Yeah. And shit. I am a crust lord. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's totally like yeah, building yeah, a character yeah. for D&D, man. Yeah. When well, you gonna, like you like adopt the like certain speech patterns. Yeah, I'm going to be raw DB. I'm going to be street punk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be I, I I was in this band for a little while and they were were Swedish death metal 94 to 97. <laughs> Very 
specific range. What? Dude, it's like selecting an avatar yeah. on like like you're gonna do like an online game or something like that, and you're like building your it's avatar. A Wii character. You, you yeah. see the post. It's a Wii character. Yeah. Wii character. Yeah. We want to start a band. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. A New York hardcore band like Cro-Mags and Leeway. Must what? must be into these. Bands. Yeah. Why don't you just yeah. start a band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Start a band and see what happens. Yeah. I was in a band once where we all wore suits. It didn't last very long, though. <laughs> I, I think that's Had to the, do the, laundry the, and then <laughs> <laughs> dry clean. What the fuck is that? I mean, we, my brother, we like in, in Dean when we started Roic, we're like, let's just be I like, like Amoebics. That band's cool. <laughs> let's right. just be Amoebics, Black Sabbath, and Neurosis. Let's just limit ourselves to that. Right. And so we did that. Like, oh yeah, we sound like Deviated Instinct, Neurosis, and Amoebics. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. I, I will say, I saw the clusterfucks at. Streets of London this last year. I can't remember who you guys played with um, because all the shows... Oh, yeah, I asked you about that. I saw you had a couple We did, like, the Naked Aggression one or the Accused show. Oh, I think it was Naked Aggression. aggression. Yeah. They are super sweet. They're awesome. They're great people. Like, I had never met them before, but... They right. stayed at our house on Downing years when ago. When they played that show at the Bluebird? They played, dude, uh, yeah, when they played at the I Bluebird. Think, I think we talked about that. that uh, night, yeah. yeah, they played at the Bluebird, and they were, they had in their merch, they had these tapes that they couldn't get rid of because they were, you know, fucking VHS, and it's oh, 2002. Were they so the, uh, it was the, the decline. decline. Yeah. It was the decline. Yeah, Kristen gave me one of those, too. Remember then I burned it on the DVD? Yeah, I sent her a copy on DVD, and she's like, where'd you get that? I'm like, I made it from the VHS you gave me. <laughs> How the hell did you make it? Uh, we played... I have that same question right now. Dude, she, <laughs> she came, uh, she and, and her Science. husband, yeah. I can't remember her husband's name, but he was like a Mario champion. Like, he had the Guinness World oh, Record awesome. on Mario. Yeah, he, yeah. What? he died a while back. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, that guy, oh, yeah. man. What, what was his record? What, what, what was he the record? He was such like? a sweet dude, uh-huh. man. Um. Yeah. Uh, if he's well known for it, I bet it was badass. She, <laughs> she and him came to see us play some fucking house show in the in the middle of Pomona in near you know it, like years she, years she remembered ago. That too, because she think, remembered coming I to that think show. That's Justin so cool, or Josh told her about that, and she came up to the bar and she was like, "Ah, I just heard this crazy story that we stayed at your house and." I don't remember. They were the sweetest know, so. people. Yeah, yeah. But she was super sweet. But I, I'm saying, seeing you guys that night, like, I hadn't, I can't tell you the last time I saw your band before that, you know? And I was just like, fuck yeah, this is going to be cool. I'm going to see the Clusterfucks again. And it straight up took me back to yeah, man. when we were growing up. And I, you guys sounded, well, tighter than you did back then. But, you know, just from years of practice and shit. But it was really rad. I, I stopped working behind the band. I was rad. like, the person I was working with, I was like, you can do this. I'm going to watch this band that I've known for 20 years. You know? It was cool. Dude, I, and, and I don't want to embarrass you here, but I think it's important to tell, to tell people this. Is I don't think you realize how much you really influenced us early on. Like... Clusterfucks were like we had a handful of Denver bands that we looked up to, I would say more so than we looked up to bands in the mainstream. At the time, for sure. You know, I feel like most of the bands, most of the music that we were hearing in those days, because we were playing so much and our scene was so active, there were so many shows going on through my entire teens and 20s. 
Teens and 20s just shows nonstop. Like we were playing, we would probably play 200 shows in a year. You know what I mean? Right. It, would, it would happen. There were years, there were years where we definitely hit at least 150. You know, we, we were active. And the bands that I think we've connected with the most were the bands that we played with and the bands that we saw. And we were like trying to figure it out. We even tried to... I would ask your brother stuff. I would ask Justin, like, how to do guitar stuff so I could go in to practice and try and teach Jordan how to do it or try and teach, you know, whoever was playing guitar yeah, yeah. for us at the time. Well, this is the, the stuff you don't know. I remember, like, when we were in FIA in uh – the band from Glenwood that, that we wanted to be and, and that was, you know, had a following. They played Denver all the time. It was EOS. End of story. Like, in the late 80s and a little bit for the early 90s, they they were pretty well known around the, the state. And I remember we were playing on one of our first shows with them and Eric, the bass player, coming over and after our first song, he's like, you guys need a tune. And we're like, no, look, we're in tune, dude. And he's like, no, you need a tune with each other. <laughs> and like, huh? And he's like, here, dude. And he's like, Bing, 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 tune. He's like, now play. And we're like, whoa, <laughs> mind blown, yeah, man. Yeah. We knew we had to tune our guitars. We knew we had to tune to each other. <laughs> oh, good tip. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, you guys want to take a quick break and then uh, get get fresh beers and get, what time is it? Oh, Half shit. It's 5.30. Yeah, let's uh, let's take five and come back and, uh, and close the show out. Sounds good. Okay. Let's do that. All right, we'll be back. Go get some money, Ty. Real quick, let's give a shout out to our sponsors. Good uh, Evergroove Studio, greatest studio on the planet Earth. Solar powered, state of the art, beautiful location, and some of the nicest people in the music business, Brad and Jenny. And Kat. And Artie. Yeah. Artemis, coolest cat in <laughs> rock and roll. Evergroove Studio, go see Brad and Jenny about your next project and tell them the, the voice is All right. Uh, let's see. Flipside Music on South Tacoma. That's, uh, that's Ike's Joint. Some of the best pedals around, some of the best guitars around. Boutique. Some of the it's a boutique style shop where they basically take all the shit that you get at the big box stores and they distill it down to only the, the good shit. Like you know when you're going back to the used section and you're looking for guitars and like once in a while at Guitar Center you'll find some gem that they didn't know that they pa- had. Pawn shop is what you mean. Oh pawn shop, yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. Like uh like what's pretty the, much what's the shit the that you can't get at the big box stores. Go see Ike, tell him the boy sent you. Uh Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, that's the official rehearsal yep. space. Some motherfucking ruckus and a bunch of other goddamn bands. You guys rehearse there, don't you? Yeah, we used to. We now we just uh, practice in the shop, dude. Kate's Why fucking not? yeah, dude. Uh, but if you just want to go and jam for a few hours with zero setup or breakdown, you just kind of want to walk in and fuck around. Maybe, maybe yep. spend maybe spend that that setup time having beers over at Larimer Lounge with us and drummers that live in apartments. There's drum studios in there too. For oh yeah, single drum rooms. You don't gotta move shit. Yeah, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. You don't have to move shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty seven twelve Larimer. Tell Kate the boys sent you uh Matula. Denug- oh Matula Plumbing Matula, Matula! 
Ah, Des Plaines, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Matula Plumbing, Angie's List Super Service Award winner, 2011. God, you're getting good at that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Matula Plumbing. <laughs> He'll wear the booties for you. Yeah. <laughs> Just be a plumber. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. It was a, yeah. Two rules of plumbing, shit rolls downhill, and, and don't, don't chew your, your fingernails. fingernails. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And don't and chew your fingernails. <laughs> and always wear the booties, because the customer appreciates it. That's Jerry Matula's way. Mm-hmm. The Nug Nation Studios here in beautiful Denver, Colorado. TheNugNation.com is where you can go to see... Episodes of those crazy nugs and their crazy adventures through the town of Nugville, ounce for ounce. The best homegrown comedy in years. The Nug Nation. Check it out on thenugnation.com. Most fun I had on that show was probably interviewing Jaron Benton and uh, DJ Flick. Like, I had my no favorite. idea who those guys were before. They were fucking hilarious. Nappy Roots, too. Those my, guys my were My favorite fucking episode hilarious. is the Red Man episode. The Red, Red Man, Man episode's Red pretty Man. good. Oh, yeah. Uh, how do you say it? Redman? Am I saying that right? Yeah, thenugnation.com. Check it out. Uh, who am I forgetting? Besides the besides the most important people. Am I forgetting anyone else besides? Hmm. I want to say no, but kind of a yes the aftertaste. aftertaste. Of course, the amazing people who back us on patreon.com slash mfruckus. Mutiny. Mutiny. Oh, God, how could I forget? It's the one that's brought on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on, patrons. We're going to come back to you. Mutiny Information Cafe, located at 2 South Broadway in the heart of Denver. Records, books, comics, coffee. Coffee. Weirdos. You might see Jim throw a crazy drunk lunatic out the door because Broadway still is a little gnarly. Uh... Man, it's great. The live events, podcasts. In fact, this podcast is a mutiny transmission, which is a media division of Mutiny Information Cafe. Now, back to those badass patrons of ours. Yeah, get sexy. You guys. Hi. I got to tell you, you guys really do it for us, man. Thank you so much uh, for all your support. We could not do it without you, man. It it really goes a long way. our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, all, all sorts of unreleased stuff. They get they get access basically to the band thread. I send stuff to the band, then I send it to the patrons. It happened again. Uh, what you sent it to us, and then, and then sent, sent it. To, it to, oh, the new video. The new video. Yeah. So the patrons were the first people to see the. I um, didn't see it yet. <laughs> the the motion comic of the first page of the second chapter of our thirty-six chapter. Epic, rockalyptic concept album and graphic novel, The Front Lines of Good Times. You can check that out on our Facebook, on YouTube. Or at mfruckus.com. Or at mfruckus.com. Actually, I haven't gotten it up on the website you yet. You son of a bitch. I know. I need to do that. I'm normally more on top of this. Uh, yeah, man, you guys, your support goes to help us do everything. This podcast wouldn't exist. The records wouldn't exist. The the motion comic, the comic. Uh, man, None of it. I hope you guys all got your comic books, your signed comic books John in the mail. Bird did not get it. Came back in the mail. Who, oh, John Bird didn't get. Mm-hmm. They had the same problem with his with his first one too. Come for on. some reason won't deliver. John. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much, guys. And uh, yeah. So for the last little bit here, Logan, you were talking about what were you and Josh talking about out in the hallway? Um, 
I don't know if I want to drop his name on this shit. You know? Then don't. <laughs> but I, I was talking to this guy. We all know. He's a local punk rock legend. And, you know, he used to beat the shit out of himself on stage. And we, uh, we're, oh, both, yeah, yeah. we're both way big into wrestling. And I had some on at the bar. And it was like a thumbtack match. And they were hitting people with chairs and all this extra shit. And I was just like, well, I asked him, I was like, do you think these guys ever get sick of, you know, waking up every day and just being like, I'm going to get hit with the chair tonight. It's going <laughs> to suck. But, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And, and I think I, and you can I, drop his name. I think, I think I think somebody already did. I think you already did. Yeah, I think, I think really Jim, Jim Clark. Jim Clark yeah, from, okay. from of Homesick Abortions yeah. and Lion Bitch and Los Luchadores and, God, a, a hundred other bands. But but I put two and two together that he was the guy. He used to do that shit on stage. He right. used yep. to roll on thumbtacks yeah. and, and fluorescent lights, fluorescent the, lights. The, the bat with the barbed wire. Mm. Yeah. And he would That's do some control. brutal shit. That's brutal. And we were so, at this, oh, uh, after after we were watching the wrestling I asked him, I was like, So it's it's kind of the same thing. Like on stage you build this persona, you build this character. And I was like, Did you ever get sick of doing that? Did you ever like wake up in the morning? Like be like, man, I really don't want to hit myself in the head with this baseball barbed wire today. <laughs> and he was like, all the time, dude. Like almost every time. He's like, I don't want to do this shit. Especially, he told me as he got older. Dude, that's that's kayfabe, man. Jim Jim was so influenced by professional wrestling, like he was playing heel all the time. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know, Jim was really good at playing heel too. Like he was influenced by. The old school wrestling guys, like when they would tour and cut each yeah, other up with like, razor blades. Jim was and the shit. first dude I ever heard ECW from, right? He had VHS tapes before oh, yeah. we had it on cable out here or whatever. Uh, um, you know, he, funny, it was Insane Clown Posse. He used to have all these these videos, and Insane Clown Posse dudes hosted it, and it was all this <laughs> Japanese extreme wrestling. Like he'd bring those team. over, and we'd watch all that shit. He and I used to go to uh, the Coliseum all the time to check out WCW, WWF, whatever was was coming to town. Kind of funny story. One time we were at wrestling, and we came back to the uh, to the house. I don't even remember. He lived around 13th somewhere, but my brother had that house on 13th and Corona. Right. Oh, yeah. We I came back, and there was fucking cop cars everywhere. And we're like, oh, what the hell? What's going on? And they're, and they're there. They're at the house. And it was my brother, me, Jim. I think Melissa Thompson was with us, maybe. Um, and it t- turns out there was this fucking bounty hunter showed up looking for... Uh, um, uh, fuck, I can't remember the dude's name now. That sucks. That's really sad. Dude, uh, the drummer from Homesick, he ended up ODing and dying a few years later. Oh, uh, uh, fuck. Uh, Leo. He was, on, Leo, he, was on the, he was on the back of the PBR Street Gang record. Yeah, like, Leo. Um, and he, they, they were looking for, for Leo, and it, was, it turned out it was Dog the Bounty Hunter. No shit. No fucking way. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Leo was in the house, but there was this tunnel that from the, where we practiced in the basement that ran out under 13th. No way. And he got up in there and crawled out <laughs> under the road, and they, they couldn't, they couldn't find Leo. him. And so Dog came to, to the door, like, trying to get in, and there was this dude, uh, Skater Josh, because there was Texas Josh. Clusterfucks Josh. I remember Texas and, Josh. And, uh, and Skater Josh. And Skater Josh fucking hit Dog in the head with his with his skateboard and kicked him down the, the steps up front. <laughs> so Dog went and called the cops. And so all these fucking cops showed up, searched the house, never found never found Leo. Go no, Leo. Fucking yeah. way. <laughs> he ended your friend right on out of there. <laughs> <laughs> he ended your friend. 
That's good. And that day, Leo climbed through a mile of the worst filth that I could never imagine. <laughs> there was another episode of Dog the Bounty Hunter. This doesn't have anything to do with the fact that it's Dog the Bounty Hunter. That I was watching it one time, and, I, and he, he busted this dude I knew, this guy I worked with. And when I worked at, at Ticketmaster when I first moved to Denver... And this dude, he was older than us, you know, but we'd try to get him to go out and party with us and stuff. And he's like, no, he's like, that was a, that was another lifetime ago. I don't do that anymore. And uh, after a while, we started to figure out, like, well, maybe this dude can't read. Could he'd always be like, um, I forgot my glasses. Can you read that for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. And they're like, oh, my glasses are real dirty. Do you mind reading that for me? And like, after a while, like, I don't think this dude can fucking read. <laughs> but it turns out he's on Dog the Bounty Hunter. He's got fucking meth, right? He dives out the window of his trailer. And Leland or whatever the little dog guy's name is, like, squirts him down with the mace or whatever they care. They finally get him. And uh, I'm like, holy fuck, it's Richard Hines, man. And uh, and he's talking, and, and you know, Dog busts a dude, then he gets all sentimental. You know, you can get out of this, man. You know? Jesus, Jesus, yeah. Jesus. And then a dude turns out he, he did 20 years in San Quentin. I'm like, holy fuck, Richard was in San Quentin? You're like, and I call up my buddy Mike. I'm like, Mike, fucking Richard's on Dog the Bounty Hunter. They've fucking busted him, man. They're <laughs> taking him to where, Adams County. Where well, let's go get him. We gotta go bail him out. Like, it's TV. It's not live, man. It's not like going there right now, but... Dog the Bounty Hunter busted an old buddy of mine. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, so an old buddy of mine busted dog. Yeah. So did you ever figure out if he could read? No, I'm no, I, I'm pretty sure that he could not. Yeah, it's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard question to bring up. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, can you read Read this to me? Yeah. <laughs> Prove it. I can read. I just don't want to. I can read anytime <laughs> I want. Well, Richard, man, 20 years in San Quentin. I never did yeah, find out what he crazy. did to get there, but that's why he wouldn't go party with us. Uh, holy <laughs> fuck. Huh. Damn. So, um, I guess let's. Uh, what time we got? Is it time to go? Yeah, it's about time. So let's uh, let's close with this, um, man. Just kind of tell us what you're working on. Um, you know, tell us tell us about what you got going on at the shop. Sure. You know, give us. We got it. There's actually a lot going on. We got the the Roic record that was supposed to be a split with a. Uh, um, Life once flourished here from L.A. I think we're going to end up releasing it. Um, without them so we're talking to a, a label right now about putting that out um we've got a clusterfuck some songs we just um demoed that part of it's going to come out on a split with a smd no way speak okay you were yeah. talking out in the hallway about jim clark teaching yeah. you to screen print over yeah. the phone um dude from smd Taught me how to screen print while <laughs> we were wasted hanging out at his house in East <laughs> Was LA. It Murray? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he's like, no, you get uh, you get the photo emulsion yeah. and you put. And he was super wasted. And I'd be like, I didn't understand what photo emulsion was. Yeah. I didn't understand you could put a light on something and change its photographic yeah, properties. Yeah. I'm like, so wait, you like put it on like this and da da da. And he's like, no, bro, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You do a pretty good Murray oh, imitation, dude. man. He was great, man. I, I love Murray. Man. Love that dude. Um, but yeah, yeah so we get, we're going. doing a, a split with them, and then we're working on a on a full length for um, we we're supposed to go to Minneapolis in the fall and record it for a label that I I cannot um, divulge at this time. That means it's good. So hopefully that all works out and stuff. And the the uh, the mission there is to have uh, it'll be a record store day release for April two thousand twenty. But that's the the plan right now. So we've got. 
Um, several new songs that we've written. We've got a bunch of shows lined up for this year. Uh, we're playing a house show on Saturday. No way. Down, downtown somewhere. The, you know where the, the punk house is? Uh, about a block from... Uh, your mom's house? Is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. You know, what's that rockabilly bar this, uh, on the corner? Skylark? Right? Yeah. It's like a block behind that. Okay. Uh, Gary Lee's? No, Gary Lee's goes to Skylark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's like a block or two behind that on the same street. So we're playing there Saturday night. Um, we're doing a thing in Breckenridge. We're playing uh, Closing Day in Breckenridge in, in April. Where are you playing in Breckenridge? I don't know. Yeah. I wonder uh, if it's the Mother Loaded Tavern or yeah, something. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, with um, uh, 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 bottom bracket. Bottom bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys. Those yeah. guys had us up there, dude. Have you ever done a Mother Loaded Tavern show? No. You're I don't in for. I've ever even been to Breckenridge. You're in for a treat. So the Mother Lo- the Mother Loaded oh. Tavern is uh, this restaurant, like this like quirky restaurant, but their their kind of theme is it's all their their staff is entirely female and I think almost entirely moms. And so it's all like mom references all over the place, but they're like kind of yeah, gnarly. Kind of crowd, right? Yeah, dude, well, but they're like <laughs> they're like gnarly mountain moms, you Close know what I mean? So mom they're like rock. you know, purple hair and tattoos and like like modern moms, like moms our age and shit like that, yeah. right? It's a really cool place. They do shows but what they do is they pull all the tables out and they just kind of have you set up in the corner of the restaurant. And these people in Breck, it's it's really just mountain lunatics, you know, fucking uh, Summit County lunatics yeah. that are shit-faced drunk and don't really see bands a lot. So it's like going to, to play in Carbondale and Glenwood. Yeah. And <laughs> mm-hmm. mixed yeah, with... There's not really a punk scene there. It's just a bunch of dudes with leather jackets and flannel right. shirts. And then... I want to hear a loud guitar. Yeah. Well, and then, and, and then a mix mixed thrash. into that is tourists. Yeah, Ski yeah. tourists. So you've got people that are jumping around, Sounds like slamming yeah. into you, jumping off of tables, jumping off of benches, knocking microphones into your face, and just yelling songs at you. Just going, play Marilyn Manson! Da, 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 da. You're like, we're a fucking dude. We have yeah, our yeah. own songs. Like, it's coming on next. your pedals. Like, this one dude's like, I'll give you fucking $50 and buy you all a beer if you play a Bruce Springsteen song. And me and Tony and Ty had a cover band for a bit, so we're like, I'm on one. fire. Do you guys know I'm on fire? <laughs> yeah. We do it, no and he's way. like, yeah. play another Bruce Springsteen song! You know, just I'm yelling. Out. I'm out. Slamming. <laughs> the we did the whole show with our arms out, like stiff-arming I the crowd. I put, I, yeah, I, yeah. Put my, I put my pedal like by the amp. You guys well, are in for a amp, treat. It's gonna be a lot of fun, Brad. So, 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 what else you got going on, man? What's what's so that? I think uh, try to do some dates with DRI in the in the fall. Type and then uh, whatever else pops up. Uh, was just talking to Scott from uh, Low Life, aka Cryptic Slaughter, yesterday. Try to get them out here maybe this year. Um, so talk to I got to talk to Peter and Ron about setting that up, but. Uh, so stuff like that. Um, I, we were going to go on, on on tour. We still were supposed to do a, a thing with SMD, but that might get postponed uh, if we go to Minneapolis to record this album. Because then we'll tour, we'll drive up, do the album, then like tour our way back, something like that. Cool. But still, you know, play a few local shows. Still kind of select with it. Um, don't want to burn ourselves out and just kind of pace ourselves. And uh, we should do have um, fun with it. We should do a show at the shop. 
when our record comes out. You should. Dude, we would love that. Because, I mean, we got the new record coming up soon, and, and man, I would, lo- I would love to come do a fucking an in-store over a Chain Reaction. That'd be fucking great. Tell us about Chain Reaction. Like, yeah, tell us if, about Chain Reaction. Oh, well, yeah. So, with, with, so, Chain Reaction, 8799 West Colfax, Lakewood. Um, that was, uh, I got to get tip of the hat to old Val Landrum there that really gave me a kick in the ass to, to get it going to the point where he's like hey I registered with the Secretary of State got a business and I need to open it I'm like ah oh, fuck because I'd been talking about it forever and you know and he just put it in your hands and kind of put you in the position where you had to do it yeah yeah wow. I guess I gotta okay. go find a storefront now um, you know you go on tour there's fucking killer record stores everywhere and in you know, wax racks never really kept up. They definitely had their their time, and I still have a, a lot of respect for those for the the team over there, the guys over there. But uh, they were missing what I was looking for anyway, and mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. And so we said, let's uh, open a record store, and boom. Yeah. How's that been going? Like, like what what logistically what keeps the doors open? Like, are you guys thriving as a business? We're we're doing. Okay, nobody's getting rich, right? But but the, you're keeping the doors the bills open. Get paid, that's the, fucking everybody awesome. gets paid, and we keep getting new new stuff in. Just selling selling records and merch and throwing yeah. shows. That's all. And yeah, that's fucking. We, well, awesome. then shows we we started doing the skateboard a, stuff. Yeah, yeah that's we, what I was gonna say. And then that just started with uh, selling DRI skateboards. Right. And like, ah, DRI skateboards, Beer City. They've got other skateboards. Let's order a few more, and those sold. And then. Buddy of mine was starting a skateboard company, and he signed some old pros, and we sold those. And then Conspiracy, and those are our friends. We're, let's sell those. And then we're like, all right, well, now we're a skate shop, too. So now we need Fuck yeah. trucks and wheels and berries right. and the, the whole the whole fucking thing. And then uh, so as a joke one day, we're like, let's put together a skate team, and my buddy and I. <laughs> and, and I'm like, all right, you're team captain. And put that together and uh, got Rex who uh, still skates pro for uh, ATM on the on the team uh, Josiah Phoenix Bust and Dustin uh, Jeff Turner um, all those guys and then uh, then we started the, the podcast from the the shop and that that's been really successful and then uh, kind of the, the the next project is, is still kind of top secret. Uh, kind of hint though is about two weeks ago we got a, a box of Thrashers from the 80s and we were just fucking pouring through just like oh I used to have this one I used to have this one I used to have this one and uh, and we had just done that podcast and how did we get here and, mm-hmm. we were talking and you were that, talking about the Thrashers yeah, we were talking about back in the day like Thrasher was as, as, as punk as it, as it was skateboarding and, uh, and Wenzel mentioned the, yeah, I remember Pusset's top 100 punk albums of the, the 80s, and I'd never seen that list. Well, I opened up this box, and here's a, a copy with that list in it. Oh, like, nice. fuck, there it is. Mm-hmm. And so we're going through these thrashers, and it's punk, it's skating, it's metal. Boom, inspired. So stay tuned nice. on, on that front. It, it seems to me <laughs> that, like, there, you hear from kind of the business world that there's this, like, since online shopping and Amazon have become yep. a thing that like all these shops are closing down and all these like big box stores are going out of business and all like kind of the corporate giants or many of them anywhere are going away and, and people are kind of getting everything online. But I feel like when it comes to specialty things like that, like, like that really matter to people, uh, 
you don't really want to get that off the internet if you can help it. Right. Like, it seems like the personality, like the collector personality or the fan personality, really wants to be in the presence of the item when they select it. Yeah. I you mean, know, there's certain things that, that people buy off the internet. They're like, I want the special edition deluxe box set that Nuclear Blast is putting out. Right. And I want to pre-order it so I can get it on lime green vinyl. Boom. They go do that. But then there's other stuff. They're like, ah, you know, I'm going to go down to Chain Reaction and and get the uh, new Municipal Waste record. Right. Oh, no, I'm there, and I'm flipping around, and now I'm flipping through records, and now I find other things. And well, and it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. fun. There's, you guys there's created a whole a fun social to go to. Uh, atmosphere. We've got people that literally on, on Sundays come in at, at noon when we open, and they stay till close. Really? Just, just hang out all day. Dude, and you can't put a price on no, that. No, it's like, it's cre- it's. There's definitely a, a community there, and that's why we've got a sofa. We want you to sit down and be comfortable and read an old thrasher and hang out and listen to records for that's a really while. Cool. And jam and yeah. all that shit. That's yeah. Really cool. Didn't you guys shoot uh, a video there last night? Yeah, there was a video shoot there last night for uh, Blood Axe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bart McCrory's. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Crash Pad Studios. So, yeah, they were there last night doing that. Um, that looked like fun. Yeah, it's just... Uh, it, Created a little, little community, and then, yeah, we definitely rolled the dice opening it up on, on West Colfax. When we opened, people were like, well, how come you didn't open on South Broadway? And I was like, because I don't Dude, because everybody's getting there. priced out of <laughs> South Broadway, too. Yeah, exactly. It was like, the rents can be super high, and they're like, ah, but you'll have to walk in traffic. Yeah, but I don't live over there. I'm going to have to drive all that way. I live down the street from here. Dude, so in 10 years, in 10 years, all the, like, counterculture people, like, all the, like... The, the rockers are going to be living in fucking Pueblo, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what? Yeah. Everybody's going to be driven out. Yeah, they're getting priced out of Denver. And West Colfax, I think that's... Yeah, uh, Three Kings ain't dummies. Yeah. They fucking... They invested in the pit stop over yep. there on fucking uh, West Colfax. Yep. West Colfax. It, uh, I, I, Alamo. Alamo. You know, they have the new Alamo over there. It's, yeah, when we opened, I, I, was, I was saying, like, we're not behind on Broadway. We're ahead of the time on West Colfax. Yeah, right. You know, and we are. I mean, like, It's going to happen. You know? There's a killer tattoo shop uh, right across yeah. the street, Fallen Al. Okay. You've got the uh, the art studio right next to us at uh, yeah. Casey Kasem for Warlock Pinchers is part of that. Oh, yeah. You know, so there's fucking Andrew, man. Yeah, there's, he's the man. There's stuff going on out there. West Colfax is cool, man. We'll we'll have to talk Andrew's stories sometimes. Um, go, yeah, see, would, go see Josh and Justin. And, and, well, go see him and everything that they do. Hell Dude, yeah! I'm I'm really happy to just hear about you thriving, man. Like I love hearing about people that I respect doing well in the world. You know, you talk about. So and so's dead. So and so's in prison. So and so didn't make it. So and so, you know, shit the bed. Yep. I really am heartbroken to hear those stories about people who I knew. But I, I love to see some of that at least, you know, overcast by seeing people that I really admire and respect. Yeah, thrive, same man. man. And like you said earlier, you know, the, the folks that are making more positive choices in their lives and like. I like seeing that as the, being the, the latest rock right. and roll trend, man. People right. doing shit. I mean, this. What you yeah. guys are doing yeah, is man. fucking amazing, man. Thanks, man. We fucking love it. Fuck it, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, that's I, the I thing. It just happens it. because you keep you keep forming relationships. You keep putting yeah. one step in front of the other. You focus on the long game and, and focus on just 
having fun with the and, people that are yeah, around you. You got to support each other, man. They're like yeah. life is is tough. You got to support each other emotionally, and then you got to support each other in our in endeavors and right. and keep it going, man. Yeah. Well, Thanks I'd love to, I'd love here. to have you on again. I would love to do uh, something over at the shop for sure. We're, we're going to do a spring release, so let's talk about some stuff. And I hey, we'll have to swap podcasts. Have you guys come out and be on? I would love that. Ours, yeah, that I would love great. that. And uh, another next time we talk, <laughs> you're on one next, right now. Yeah, you're on one now. The podcast. That's where we talk about the podcast. Here. Um, no, but uh, and next time we get together and talk like this, um, I want to talk to you about being a rock dad. Yeah, so, yeah, that's it, a trip. Yeah, man. So that to be continued. You yeah, and I yeah, will. You sure. and I will table that discussion for another time. And Josh, thanks for coming in and hanging. Yeah, out I really us, man. appreciate it. Man. I was really stoked you reached out and asked. Yeah, me. yeah of course, man. Um, it, well, I just I really loved the episode. You know, that was the first episode of the podcast, and hearing those stories was like, I I spent some time on it. I yeah, was yeah, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's Chain Reactions Talking Shit. Yeah, cool. so check um, out Chain Reactions uh, Talking Shit. iTunes, Spotify. Give I've them checked out a handful of them. They're super good. Yeah, it's oh. great. Give them a like, share, subscribe. Check it out. Yep. Uh, man, that was a great episode. That was a good one. You you good barely job, got guys. a word in edgewise, Tone Bone. I, well, you know, I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we could call this episode uh, "Looking Old Man Is Talking." <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, he's got some neat stories to tell. I like it, man. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was I good. Got a good yeah. grasp of old Denver that was going on like fucking right before I got here. Right. Like, uh, well, guys, th- things were rough, man. Things were crazy. I think but, it's cool. Yeah. That's why I came out here. Yeah. Thanks but, for uh, listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, man, we did a good episode, guys. Uh, you did. Man, <laughs> thanks again to all the patrons. Uh, check out. We've been dropping uh, a little. Did you see the teaser video that we dropped? For, yeah, I think I watched some this morning. Yeah, for our motion yeah. comic, man. Check that out. We're we're pretty excited about that. The, uh, I want to give a shout out to Chris Gooding, who's our new animator that I found Woo! fucking Fiverr.com. He's just some young kid. I don't even know where he lives in the world, but he's like. Well, I was a, just gonna ask you who who does. Dude, he's like he, okay. well. So the art is done by this guy Jake Fairley, who did this is heavy metal a series. He's part of the uh, local comic community okay. and just a fucking match made in heaven man uh, of course that uh, before that josh finley did the first book and and did a lot of the character creation it's it's been it's been a it's journey. been like push it's starting it's girl. been like push starting a buick man yeah. it's fucking hard but uh yeah man uh okay. thanks to josh len for coming on the show yeah. thanks to you guys for hanging out and you, Aaron. yeah so uh anyway this is the motherfucking podcast i'm aaron i'm tony i'm logan and then josh len here in the studio with us we'll catch you guys i'm out on the next episode. Out. <laughs> Peace.
You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Got a baseball bat. I don't own a gun. Hmm. Do you own a gun? No. No. <laughs> I wouldn't need a gun rack. No, okay. I. No, I. I have a baseball bat and a sword. <laughs> What's your character's name when when the guy breaks in? <laughs> Necropolis. I don't know. <laughs> 